0: Hi, guys. This is Daniel Irvine, and you're listening to Talking with TK.
1: Welcome to episode 114 of Talking With TK. I'm your host, Tristan Connell. Episode today is featuring special guest, Daniel Irvine. I've actually known Dan for for quite a while. We Probably introduced when we were about, I don't know, maybe 19 or 20 years old. Obviously, we're both about 36 years old now. So I was kind of back in the day through mutual friends. But I've always admired Daniel. He's been a great player. I remember coming through, especially when I was refereeing, he was definitely... He was, he was a really, really strong talent back there. He made the Australian Schoolboys and was right in the mix in the Junior Kangaroos with the likes of Cameron Smith. So he's got a really interesting story to tell. It's, it's one of those ones where Daniel lost his career due to injury, but it, it does show that you know for Cameron Smith approaching 400 games for every Cameron Smith, there's also a Daniel who's come through the ranks as one of the best players through his junior career, but at the same time, he only makes 50 first-grade games and has to then decide what he wants to do in life. He's actually a doctor of chiropractic. Chiropractic, I can't even say that word. But he's, yeah, he's he's very, very smart guy. He's He's got a master's and undergraduate degree in chiro, chiropractic. If anyone can help me say that word, please do definitely reach out. But yeah, he's he's right into his health and fitness. He actually is competing in bodybuilding. You should actually... Check out his Instagram. He's always got inspirational stuff on there and also different things that he, he does in his training. So he's great in the fitness and health space as well. If it's your first time here or you haven't listened to all the episodes, please check it out at www.talkingwithtk.com. You'll find all the links to all the different podcast apps. If I can ask you a couple of favors, if you can continue to tell your family and friends, just helps me continue to grow the show. The numbers for season two are through the roof. So I really appreciate you telling all your loved ones. Also, if you've got access to iTunes or Apple Podcasts, if you could just log in, actually any podcast out pretty much that you can leave a review. If you could leave a decent review and you know give me a bit of feedback, that would be very, very appreciated. All right, guys, I'm just about to... The coming weeks, I've got Keith Galloway, Grant Atkins, and Michael Liner already recorded. So I'm just about to get back to business and recording a whole heap of episodes for season two to wrap up and then get straight into season three as well. So if you've got any any ideas, always open to hear who you want to hear on the show. So reach out to me. Old school email is tristan at talkingwithtk.com or please connect Twitter or Facebook. The page is Talking With TK. Do send me a DM on there or Instagram, just Tristan Nell. All right, guys, excited to bring you this episode and I introduce Daniel Irvine. Alright guys, my special guest today is Daniel Irvine. Daniel is a former professional rugby league player for Parramatta, Canterbury and South Sydney. He represented the Australian schoolboys in 1999. He also coached lower grades at the Rabbitohs. Away from the game, he is a doctor of chiropractic and he also runs Irvine. Chiropractic was also a competitive bodybuilding. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel Irvine.
0: Thank you very much for having me, mate.
1: It's an absolute pleasure, Dan. Where we want to start, man, is I love family backgrounds. And I know the surname Irvine is a very important one in rugby league. Now, your uncle, Canton was pretty much the greatest winger of all time. Can you tell tell us a little bit about what you know about, he's your great uncle, isn't he?
0: So he's my uncle, yeah, he yeah. was dad's brother. Um, he passed away uh, over 20 years ago now, Ken, but, um, sorry, 30 years ago. Time's getting by. I was back in 1989, I think, around Christmas time. Uh, so that was dad's brother, dad's older brother. Wow.
1: Um, so he, you were six?
0: Yeah, I was only young, uh, probably seven or eight, yeah. And, um, so I didn't know him very well, but I knew a lot about him from, yeah. from what I'd heard, and uh, like newspaper articles and stuff, little ones, when I was six, I scored like Heaps of tries in the under sixes, they would have hated me, but there was an article that said prolific try scorer coming through to be sort of Irvine mark two, yep. um, which was kind of exciting at the time, but I did a speech about him, so I knew a bit about him from researching him, Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but learned a lot more as I grew up, and um, unfortunately he wasn't around to uh, to spend a lot of time with, but Dad told me heaps.
1: Did you see how many tries he scored? Like, it's over 200.
0: Yeah, it won't be caught. Do you think it'll be caught?
1: Billy got close. I think I was having a look today. I think Billy's about 25 short. Obviously, he's retired now. Yeah. But the way it is, is like in today's modern game, and you're going to tell us more than, and you know better than anyone else, how short a rugby league career can, can be. The way it's even getting more physical, the chances of someone getting over 200 tries, it's pretty slim.
0: Yeah, I remember through the years, like that's where we get reminded of what he's done and the prolific nature of it, because they they say, oh, Beaver Menzies is getting close, Terry Lamb's yeah. getting close, and, and I think Nathan Blacklock was on the trajectory up to get it as yep. well. But like you said, they all got a UK, or injuries um, cut their careers short. We we're pretty happy that Billy uh, missed it in that respect, because he's retired, but at the same time, I remember last year saying to a few people that if anyone's going to break it, like love him or hate him. I love Billy Slater and I'd, yep. I'd be over the moon if someone like that had a broken the record. But uh, yeah, it's it still stands and uh, we'll see if it ever gets broken. Yeah, was your dad a footy player as well? Yeah, he um, passed on some bad knees to me though. Uh, he, he stopped <laughs> playing. I think he only played a few reserve grade sort of games. Yep. Um, and back then it was called water on the knee, which is swelling, Yeah. I which guess. as you know, we get often and then you have surgery or you rehab it. Uh, but in their day, back in the 70s or whatever it was, it was like it cut some guy's career short with water on the knee, so yeah, yeah. he didn't play
1: that much. Yeah, so you actually started in the under sixes. Did you have other cousins from your uncle as well?
0: Yeah, so um, my uncle Pete, he's young fellow Michael, uh, was a very good uh, rugby league player as well, yep. and Rugby Union actually, sort of, I'm not what, sure what it's called, but CHS Blues and all this stuff I remember. Okay, yeah, yeah. He won all the awards for rugby and he was a really quick uh, sprinter, hurdler and whatnot. Uh, that was the, the extent of sort of the cousins, yeah. um, Uncle Pete's boy, Michael, and then I had some older brothers that played as well, but both sort of, I didn't go too much further.
1: Yeah. yeah. Who, was, who was your junior club then?
0: I played with school in the, the Catholic Convent Comp back then for yeah. against a few old QP boys. I played for St. Anthony's Gerroween. Okay. And then as I sort of, you stopped playing there at 11 or so, and I went into almost into Parramatta junior development stuff because we had summer coaching clinics at 13. So I was, um, I went to the Hills Bulls then yep. in Borkham Hills there. had a few mates that were playing there. And then from then on, I sort of played. I was junior reps and, and then I'd be at the Bulls and, and that was kind of how it went from there till 18 when yeah. I was graded.
1: Do you remember who spotted you to get you to Parramatta?
0: I had, a well, I was in the summer coaching squad so that was yep. just whoever picked those squads. I don't yeah, remember. Okay. But it must oh, have been my,
1: exciting. You probably got a track suit and oh, you got all great. the gear, Yeah, right? that was
0: very exciting. We did a six-week um, coaching clinic sort of thing every afternoon down yeah. across from the stadium. Uh, and then, you know, they'd award the best best uh, trainers and things like that. So it was pretty exciting. But the first junior rep thing uh, that I got chosen for was Harold Yeah, I was 14, playing in their 15s. And um, Tony Zappia was the coach okay. then. And um, that was my first sort of forehanded, proper junior reps. Mm. Um, were you a so hooker back then? I wasn't, but they put me in hooker.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. So what were your halfback?
0: Uh, back row. I played a bit of center till I was about 13. I was Big pretty kid, quick. Big kid, were you? Yeah, a bit, bit bigger and a bit quicker.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Everyone took over me pretty quickly.
1: Don't worry, I'm the same. Um, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we'll stick with that story. But yeah, I, hooker was... Uh, I think it was from MCS school team. Someone put me there, yeah. And then Para um, were quite happy to have me there. I, I always wanted to be a back rower, just tackle and run, and didn't want the creative side of hooker. But um, I did, I did love it once I got into it.
1: Yeah, so that's probably where you got your defensive capabilities for. For a smaller bloke, you know, you used to get pretty good good on the defensive side. I think.
0: Yeah, I think. I guess I just um, when you're smaller, as you know, you sort of just mm. got to step up and get up in their face and. not, I Probably threw myself into too many tackles too hard at times, yeah, yeah. but if I didn't do that, I may may not have ever had the opportunities I had in footy from from hitting the bigger guys and mm. taking them down with with force like I tried to do. So yeah,
1: yeah. But even like to learn how to play hookup, seeing that you weren't playing as a as a team, that's a specialist role. Like who kind of took you under the wings to get you up to scratch?
0: Yeah, that was early days at Paris, so I was 15 at the time and um, the first coach I had there was Zapier and then I had uh, Gary Freeman who taught me a lot lot about playing dummy half and then by that stage I was sort of 16, 17 and Brian Smith was head coach there and he sort of um, pulled me aside. I'd made to a few uh, New South Wales Catholic colleges teams and things Mm. like that, so they'd earmarked me to, to hopefully do more at the club, so I started getting some coaching at, at the dummy half position. Then, yeah, mainly, main, like defences, obviously across the board. You tackle, you tackle, but it was more about the ball playing skills from dummy half, passing from the ground, all that sort yeah. of thing that I really practice, uh, practice, practice from that day on.
1: Yeah. yeah, you know, carrying the surname like Irvine. Plus, I even remember like I'm a year younger than you at school, but I went to St. Andrews, so the old John Paul too. But even back then like you would know who the good players were at all different schools and your name was definitely thrown around as one of the gun players that are playing you know either in your grade or the grade above you. Like did you feel pressure because of your surname and kind of what you did as a youngster?
0: I don't think I ever felt pressure. I I was never I probably pressure from myself. I just wanted to Yeah. I knew from about age 13 an old coach Andrew Mitchell got me going on the idea of actually playing rugby league as a career. I don't know that before that I ever thought of it. Um, probably as a kid, I dreamt of it, but from 13, he sort of pulled us in as a team and got us into fitness and eating yeah. well. And that was when I realized that I could do it and, um, started training harder and thinking more about it. Um, so the pressure only came from within because I knew that it was something I really, really, really wanted. Um, I don't think I felt pressure to succeed or, or to play footy or anything like that though. Uh, it's hard one, but I don't think, I don't recall feeling pressure now. Okay. Nice
1: one. So, how, did you go to Morris the entire way through from Year 7?
0: Yeah, mate. Yeah, so I, we actually went from Year 5 back in the day. There was a oh, junior school there, yeah. Uh, it's been knocked down now, something else, next to St. Pat's Cathedral in Parramatta. Uh, but we went there from Year 5, so I think we I came out of St. Anthony's, went there in Year 5, about 11 years old, and then uh, went on to the senior school down at Westmead.
1: Before we go into more footy, I've got to ask you, mate, Like for all your footy accomplishments as a youngster and then into, into your adulthood, mate, you're a doctor, you've got a master's, you know, you're a pretty smart bloke. How were you at school?
0: Oh, yeah, I was a nerd.
1: <laughs> oh, you actually, you actually pretty studious.
0: Yeah, I studied hard. Yeah. Um, I, I think that was probably pressure as well. I just knew, I wanted to be... I think I was always competitive. Being second last yeah. in the family of seven kids, I always had to strive to... You know, to get mum and dad's attention, I think. So the way that I did that was to try to succeed and win everything. Yeah. And um, that was sports and it was academics. Um, I don't know that I was ultra smart, but I just studied hard and I, I had a bit of a knack for um, the health science type stuff. Okay. Picked up the words quickly, picked up the concepts quicker. Um, so yeah, through high school though, once I knew that um, I needed something else as well as footy, yep. I studied hard. Okay.
1: Yeah. So you always had the idea that, Maybe footy wasn't going to be a plan plan A. You needed something potentially to fall back on.
0: Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I think I just wanted to have that option. Not that I didn't want to have footy as my number one option, but I, I knew that. Um, I think I, I started getting injured early. Yeah, had a couple of knee injuries when I was fifteen or so, and um, realised that you know a couple of injuries can come along and I won't get to do what mm. I plan to do in footy. Uh, but it wasn't like I was developing plan B. I just wanted. I wanted to do more than just play footy anyway, whether yeah. it was to be a PE teacher or later on, I figured out that chiropractic was my way.
1: Yeah, you, you know, you spoke about injuries. When was your first kind of, did you have any major surgeries when you were younger?
0: Yeah, I had heaps. Um, so unfortunately, as I said, dad might've passed on some bad knees. knees. Yeah. Uh, just the biomechanics in my knees must Something must have been off and um, poor rehab back in the day, maybe. But I had a lot of arthroscopic surgery where yeah, they, okay. they cut out little bits of meniscus. Mm. Sometimes now they'll repair it or they'll leave it alone. But back in those days, it was um, doctor's office. Yeah, it's getting a MRI. lot better for those sort of stuff, isn't it? It is, yeah. Back in the
1: days, they would just operate without it really even thinking. Yeah, they?
0: unfortunately, it was. You know, it's too late now, but you know, I had five. Um, meniscal tears in my left knee and four in my right, so yeah. there's basically not much, not much left in either. But okay. We're open. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Okay, I've got to ask you now. Your great mate Killer was on the show the other day, and I've heard rumours that, you know, I asked him the question about how he got nicknamed Killer. Now you guys were 17, obviously training in the SG Ball team. Now he thinks that some bloke called him Killer, but there is a different story, is there? Is can you confirm or tonight? Was it someone else or did Jamie name himself Killer?
0: Well, I'll, I'll stick with the uh, politically correct answer, mate. Someone definitely called our Killer and he turned around and said, have you seen me play?
1: <laughs> <laughs> did all the boys give it to I him? I can't
0: confirm if that's true or not, but that's a great story. And that I'll sounds a lot it. better than Jamie's that's story.
1: That's right. So Flato, Flato, what was Flato like back then?
0: Uh, yeah, good. Flato coached me a few, few seasons there, sort of that was ball and then Later on, when we got through to reserve grade, I think he coached yeah. me a couple of times. He was an ex-hooker,
1: too. That were pretty good for yeah, you,
0: Yeah, Flano did uh, give me a fair bit of help back then. But I've got to say, my memories of detail for footy are bad. I heard Jamie talk about some details. I'm like, How I can't remember, remember that, that stuff. <laughs> I, I don't know if I too many head knocks or what, but the details are, are vague of some stuff back then, yeah.
1: Yeah, but you met the Australian school boys. That one must have been a pretty good honour to represent your country at... Such an early age, and that team was stacked with some great players.
0: Yeah, we had a great team. And looking back, we had an even better team. Like, at the time, we didn't know much about it, but we knew there was these Hodges boys. and
1: Yeah, well, Gal whatever. didn't even make the team. Yeah,
0: amazing looking back then. And it was probably a bit controversial at the time because one of his best mates, Brett Sargent, sort of yeah. uh, took his spot, I guess. But they were both great players at the time. And, you know, look at what happens in the face of adversity. Gal just pushed harder. Yeah. And look what he's done now. How
1: is he still around when you think about... You know you're an expert in now chiropractic and how to handle your body. Is there a better bloke in terms of handling his body in the NRL? You're in.
0: He must just look after himself, and he's just so strong and resilient. Like he's built up that frame that yeah. um, you could still get injured at any any moment if you get uh, an awkward fall or someone knocks you without mm. uh, when you're off balance, whatever it may be. But for him, he's just such a, a brick. You know, he's got the perfect build for rugby league. That's why he's yeah. got that resilience. I think.
1: Was he always strong, like even back then? Yeah, Like yeah. when you guys were pumping weights for the yeah. first time?
0: Yeah, definitely. We were the shot put champs. Oh, yeah. Gal and I, he was a bit older, but he had a lot. I think he probably broke a few records. and uh,
1: Small nuggety guys. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so after you go to Australian School because that's over in UK, like, like I talked about before, you had a bit of a reputation coming through. You know, you're getting major raps. Was there a lot of clubs outside of Parramatta that wanted you?
0: Again, mate, I, my memories of that are vague, but I know that I signed my first sort of inverted commas contract. Yeah. at thirteen, back then it was like,
1: what does that lock you in for?
0: It wasn't much; like it was just a sort of a year. Yeah, okay. Plus some and gear. It's just year by year and year keep, by year. Yeah, yep. and by fifteen or so, I probably had a two year contract, uh, and that all was great because we got a couple of grand from this and that, and the schoolboys came along. So I don't think at from those ages, I ever was scouted to go elsewhere. Yeah, okay. Or if I was, my management at the time didn't. Make much of a deal about it. Maybe mum and dad protected me from that yeah. sort of talk because I didn't need it.
1: Which is a good uh,
0: thing. You know, I lived down the road. I wanted to play a parrot. They yeah. weren't my my team that I grew up barracking for, but I loved them. And um, who did you go for when you were younger? I was a Raiders fan. Oh, yeah. yeah. My oldest brother Sean was a Raiders fan for some crazy reason, and it was, was it was pretty easy him. to barrack them. Yeah, they, won they were going pretty good. <laughs> everything in the eighties, so I, I was pretty lucky. Yeah.
1: yeah, who was your guy, Laurie Daly? All of them. Yeah, who wasn't? Yeah. Was there? Chica,
0: Nagus. Mullins, it was the best. I reckon it's the best team. What do you think?
1: That '94 team, one of the best ever. When they beat yeah. the Bulldogs, oh. that was probably from one to thirteen. Like I go have a chat to a few of the boys. Yeah. So I still think that's probably the best team yeah. of all time. It got
0: to be one of the top. Yeah, so that was it was pretty easy to back for them when I was a kid.
1: Yeah. So when did you have to kind of put that away that you were going for the Raiders? Yeah, that was
0: mid mid teens. Was yeah yeah. Oh, do you I was still go over for that? It? No, I don't like them now. I don't know what I've. Lost the passion for barracking for someone. Yeah. You know, if you're not barracking for someone for 10-plus years while you're playing for other clubs. Um, Who are your young just, fellas?
1: Who do they go for? We go for South now. Do you? Um, oh, you got I that South connection anyway. So. Yeah, because I
0: finished there and coached a bit. You had that, I had that a bit more um, passion for the club itself yeah. rather than just being a, a player. And again, it was easy to barrack for them because I finished there yeah. around the time that they were having a bit of success. And um, the kids... We'll follow whoever they yeah. don't mind at the moment. but
1: It's a good team to do sport instead of Parramatta yeah. at the moment. So it's not, That's a, right. not a bad little, little play there.
0: Yeah, but I tell my young bloke, I said, you know, he wants to go for the clubs that are great now, yeah. Roosters and, and South and all that. I said, by the time you're a teenager and you're going to be playing for one of these clubs or wanting to play, Parramatta might be the team that yeah. everyone wants to be at. So things go around in circles and I know the Eels will come back, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, for sure. So after the Australian school boys, do you go straight into the of first grade squad? Is that what generally yeah. happens?
0: Yeah, um, for me it did. Yeah. Uh, for, I, think, for, I think for most of the boys that were at that level, we did go into the squad. I think like Jamie said, uh, I had a traineeship that first year out of school.
1: What did you do? Mate? But it only
0: lasted for three or five months.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, that was in sports admin. Okay. That was up
1: my alley. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that
0: was with Tony Zappia down at uh, Fennel Street. Funnily enough, it's about 100 meters from my work now. And but that, that was good. But uh, thankfully, I went into full time training sometime that year.
1: Yeah, how'd you find like being a kid out of school, like having to train full time? Like a lot of the kids now, even some of the NRL players now, they play a lot of PlayStation, all that sort of rubbish. How are you kind of managing your time and things like that?
0: Uh, so I went straight from school into that, but I also I had a gap year from uni, yep. and uh, just that was just to kind of decide what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I knew it was in health, but I didn't know what, uh, and I so I picked up PDHPE sort of to go along the path of being a teacher or to. Uh, get some credit points towards physiotherapy, yep. and um, that was how I stayed busy for a lot of the time. But also loved golf. I played; we would have played two games a week, I reckon back then. Um, I didn't. I stayed out of trouble though, which was good.
1: Two games Mostly a week—that's pretty golf. good.
0: Yeah, it was great. I loved it. I don't play enough now, but
1: I did <laughs> love it. Yeah. <laughs> so coming through the ranks, like Parramatta, like obviously Brian Smith. Like, what was your kind of? Who was the your coach straight away, right? Ninety nine, no, two thousand. He was already there, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: What yeah. was your first kind of impression of Brian Smith?
0: Well, he gave me my first start, so I loved the bike. He was a, a really, um, I think, even backtracking a couple of years before I made it to first grade, he was there maybe yep. for a year or two. Okay, excuse me. <clears throat> so I was pretty pumped when he sort of introduced himself and yeah, for sure, it's the first grade coach, yeah. yeah. Um and coming through into first grade with him, he was he was a great coach, smart, um, tactical, intense. Um and yeah, I, I learned a lot off Smitty. We really had some great years there as well. Yeah. Like two thousand, two thousand and one especially, you alluded to with Jamie, killer. Um so much success and I met a heap of good good fellas back in those days.
1: Yeah, playing hooker though, you had some good hookers. Within, you had Brad Drew in there. PJ Marsh was also a bit of a utility in the day. So you had some good good guys to learn from.
0: Yeah, that's right. Well, I was luckily enough, um, the first year I got graded, I was behind a few good hookers, um, like Wade Lestrange, Dean he right. was one guy that taught me heaps. Like He was an older
1: he was, stalwart. I used to like, love watching him, him play when he, 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 he played he for Illawarra yeah, like, back in amazing. the day. And, yeah, he um,
0: amazing. So I learned heaps from those guys. And then, as you said, Drewy came to the club. What a talent he was! Just like spark up a game. Yeah, yeah. Guys like Johnny Morris a little bit towards the end of my time there. He probably kicked me out. Um, <laughs> and Marshy. Yeah. yeah, we had a heap of good hookers through those those years.
1: Yeah, who was uh? Would you just would you look to them for professionalism, or was there someone that stood out in terms of the group?
0: I would have, from memory, I was pretty professional myself. Like I aspired to be because I knew a lot about the body and yeah. I'd had a few injuries, so I tried to do everything I could. Nutrition wise, rest wise, massage, we didn't know a lot back then. Was yeah, mostly yeah. still stretching, to be honest. Now yeah. we know so much about myofascial release and whatnot. But then when JT came to club in 2001
1: yeah.
0: or 2000, he was the utmost. Like watching a guy like him, he just spent 20, 30 minutes after training, easily stretching, drinking his water, yeah. and just doing the right things. And wasn't there a streak there where he, he played for like 300 games straight? Something. He had a, it was had a great career. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have the resilience he had or the luck that he had or whatever it may be, but yep. uh, that was who I looked up to for professionalism.
1: Yeah. So your first great debut was against Canterbury at Parramatta, Parramatta Stadium. Yeah. Is this Does it kind of feel like just yesterday that it actually happened?
0: Uh, it does feel less than 20 years ago. Yeah. But – Um, It does feel like a while back now. It was a great night, that one, because I I had a few heroes on the field that I was playing against. Um, So yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday.
1: How did you think you got?
0: I had a great game, yeah. I I was pretty happy. Put a few little kicks in and (laughs) a few good tackles. For my first game, I was really pumped looking back. I think I got players-player, which was probably just what they did back then for the first kid coming through, but... I was excited. I got to tackle Brad Clyde and uh, I think I hit him on my first first touch of the game was tackling him. So, yeah, yeah it, was, it was awesome.
1: Who presented – do you remember who presented you your jersey? Was it an ex-player or maybe one of the coaches? Or? Uh, I
0: don't remember, mate. Have it you still got it? Me. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, I've got a really nice um, bit of memorabilia from my sister and brother-in-law. They framed yeah, nice. uh, a ticket from the night that I signed with a photo. Did you Which have a fair crowd cool.
1: come out and watch you, obviously? Yeah,
0: yeah. We had a big family and heaps of mates from school would have come down. Being, you know, that was our local school. So I many of the Morris yeah. boys were para fans. So had a big crowd. Except there. for Hacho. Yeah.
1: He would have been blowing <laughs> up. Yeah, there's funny that aren't. But
0: <laughs> yeah, funny. The smart ones were para fans back then because they were succeeding.
1: Yeah, but, you know, you debuted at like 19 years of old. And I remember that I met you probably a little bit after that. At with Nathan, probably I think at PJ Gallagher's or something like that, having a few beers, because we're all connected. Grant with Nathan and yeah. everyone just meet up. But you know, at the time, like all of us were just at uni, and but for you, like we looked at you and you you were playing first grade, so that was like when you even when I think about it now, to even some of the players now handling the expectations of being a first grader at nineteen, that's not a simple thing. How did you? is it one of those things you didn't even think about it or take me through the process of being a first grader at 19 years old?
0: Yeah, I think looking back now, a bit older and wiser, I think uh, the pre- you said pressure to, to get to that level. There wasn't a lot. But once I was there, I probably did feel a lot of pressure to, to stay there and yeah. and um, I felt like I had a lot of potential. Um not that anyone told me I was going to be a world beater, but I felt like I could be yep. one of the best. Like I played with Cam Smith and the Junior Kangaroos. We were neck and neck as far as the our talent. Um, so I did feel like that was my destiny, yeah. that I could be one of the best around. Um, and I felt the pressure to get get there. A lot of injuries and that sort of stuff that held me back. Um, so, yeah, the pressure to be a first grader that age w- was pretty high, I'd say, and maybe... Yeah. Uh, Maybe it took its toll at, at times.
1: Mm. Yeah. Knowing what you do now, and even if your boys were to make it through the grades, would you have any advice for them, if you were to go back as a 19-year-old, knowing what you went through now, would you change anything at all?
0: Yeah, I wouldn't rush. Uh, I think looking back, I was lucky to get the, the uh, opportunities that I had at the age, yeah. but I felt like I probably looking back, I wasn't ready. Uh, I was probably a year or two off, easily. Um, development-wise, skill-wise, maturity. Yeah. Uh, I was a bit immature up top, um, in the brain that is, not yeah, yeah. not, not development-wise. I yeah, maybe made a few choices and, and didn't, wasn't, didn't knuckle down as well as I had to get there. Yeah. Um, so I think that just that speed that I made it there possibly held me back a little bit. Mm. And that would be my advice to my boys or whoever I may come in contact with just to take your time,
1: just patience, and that's from yeah. fourteen
0: onwards. Like the training that I did, that to get me there, I don't, I don't regret any of it because that's what got me there. But I really, really gave myself a workover: yeah. squatting heavy, lifting heavy weights, running all the time. Because um, you had to, you had to be the fittest yeah. if you didn't have the talent or the size or whatever In the competition that must was, have been, Especially
1: to- within Parramatta, like yeah. with the junior league and crop that they had, especially back then yeah like the pressure for you to keep your spot must have been pretty intense,
0: yeah, it was, yeah, so we trained hard and we we worked as hard as we could because we knew that um I think that was one of my things. I, I wanted to stand out by winning the beat test yeah. and and being the doing the most pull-ups and squatting the heaviest for the little guy and you know, all those things that uh, but I would say to those those kids, just take your time mm. yeah, so
1: two thousand and one, you know you start actually getting quite consistent, you played quite a bit of nearly half the game. Especially the back end, I would look at because on there's a site that you can see, and you can see which games you played at. And I know there was a few injuries, but you started and you're also on the bench getting a lot of minutes. Especially those, I think you played the last seven games, in the lead up to the semi-finals. Yeah. Especially you know you talked about you know being patient, but at the same time you're getting thrust out there week after week after week. But then kind of Brian doesn't give you the semi-finals. Was that tough? To play all those back-end games, but not be included in one of the semifinals?
0: Yeah, I think it was. I, I know that um, that year, I had a really good year, did a really good job with, I think, Drewy and I for a lot of the games. Mm. I'd sort of do the hard yak at the start, and Drewy would come on and do the pretty stuff, which worked amazingly for us, because yeah. he was a point scorer.
1: And look at your team. like That yeah. was an amazing year. And it just worked
0: so well. Yeah. Uh, so I did get a lot of game time that year, and probably was disappointed that... Uh, I didn't get to, you know, get on there on grand final day or throughout the semis as much as I would have liked to. Yep. Um, I got to play the, the reserve grade grand final, which we lost as well, unfortunately, oh, no. to the Dragons. Yep. So it was a pretty disappointing day, all in all. But, you know, I look at the events of that year and there was probably something I did. Like, you got to look within. I probably didn't train hard enough. I probably yep. didn't get myself up for a game here or there. Um, yeah. We live and
1: learn. Yeah. But grand final day, are you one of the extras that have to warm up with the team as well?
0: Yeah, that was pretty cool, actually. I'm pretty sure it was uh, the late uh, legend Chad Robbo yep. and I warmed up as 18th and 19th men. I can't remember if he played the reserve grade grand final with me, but I'd played that, so yep. I kind of knew that it was small, very you slight chance that I'd get yeah, a go. Yeah. But if someone broke down in my position, I'd be on. So that was pretty exciting, and we got to sit on the bench and, and whatnot for the game. It was, it was a great day, very exciting, but... Uh, such a disappointing,
1: absolutely result. What happened? Like, because a lot of people were spoken about Parramatta being really tight leading up into it, Newcastle boys being really loose. What was kind of your perspective? Because you could probably see it more because you weren't in the starting seventeen. Like, what was your observations of the boys?
0: Nothing from our side of the the field. I don't think. I think they just got it right. Yeah. They just came out firing. On No Killer said the same. They came out firing, and they just. Played smart. They just run at the little guys with big guys and yeah. got quick play balls and then tries. They did that three or four times and we were just on the back foot for the rest of the game and slowly clawed our way back in, but it was a little too late.
1: What's it like to play against someone like Andrew Johns?
0: <laughs> it was a little funny story about him, actually. Yeah. He, I was, I think, that year that I thought made my debut, 18, 19 years of age, yep. and I one of those areas that hookers hate is, is if you try to get out of dummy half quick and you fumble the ball, knock on. Like everyone, (laughs) every hooker's done it at least a couple of times. And I did it that night against the Knights and he gave me a spray. I can't remember the words, but it was something like, oh, Irvine, you should be back in reserve grade. or Something (laughs) like that. And I just remember, I laughed because it was like, of course, what a stupid error. But Badiris was the other hooker. And I really, I remember having some awesome games against joey johns like you yeah. remember those guys and jonathan thurston as well and we we Would often got the wood for, on them for those guys? yeah 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 and and as a team you're almost playing against that guy like i remember thurston for the cowboys was like when we we're at south i played against him one day and our sessions were just like no dummies no dummies hold your line yep. it was all based around that guy because he was so devastating if he got it right or if you got it wrong um because you was rather same.
1: someone else beat you. Is that the kind of philosophy that if you take him out of the game, someone else has got to step up and beat you kind of thing? Is that what it was? Or
0: Yeah, well, you just want to nullify them. Yeah. Like, if you've got a, a guy that's a weapon like Joey and, and JT, you just want to nullify their uh, yeah. explosiveness, their igni- ignition. And then the team often go to pieces because yeah. they're, they're looking for Joey or whoever to create something, and you're not giving them any opportunities. Yeah. So I think it's more about just nullifying what they generally can do to someone.
1: Yeah. Dan, who was the best player you played with at Parramatta?
0: Best player I played with at Parramatta. Um, killer, sorry, mate. Um, <laughs> it was heaps of good players. It's hard to say. I'd say for longevity and what they did in the game was yep. probably Hindy. Okay. Yeah. Um, and but the feel of, you know how they played and, and being with that person on the field, probably Nath Kalis. Okay. Yeah. He's but a great one, leader too, isn't he? Yeah, that's what I think re- I remember most was how good a leader he was and he was yeah. so
1: young when he started. What was it, like 21 he took over a captaincy or Wasn't something? That young that? I oh, think so.
0: It's crazy to think about, but yeah, he was very young and he was just so mature. Yeah. He was a workhorse. He was a Marist boy too, so yeah, I looked was. up to him from year seven at Marist. Mm-hmm. He was the guy that everyone looked up to. Uh, so, yeah, I'd say an eighth was the best.
1: Yeah. So, then the next next year after that, 2002, you actually played a lot of first grade. I think it was like 17 or 18 games. What were you kind of thinking? Because did you lose your contract at the end of that year?
0: Yeah, I believe it would have been. Yeah. Or there might have been a uh, an option for another year after that. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. And I remember... They kind of gave me the option to leave then and there was some yep. clubs looking. I think Sharks was one of them and okay. I can't remember the other. And I I said, no, nah, I want to stay put. I want to yep. stay here. And it was that's probably one little regret that I have that I didn't go because I probably sat that next year, whether it was 2002 or 2003. Yep. I sat a lot of that in reserve grade and yeah, okay. I didn't grow at all. I was just stunted and my confidence was gone because I was... I'd gone from early 18, playing first grade, doing what you're yep. dreaming of, to not. And um, then I, I really never really reached back to where I thought I could. Uh, I had a year in Queensland after yeah. that.
1: That would have was... been tough to go from the NRL to then have to move up to Queensland.
0: It was, yeah. And that was like a last stitch thing. I sort of had um, lost the offers that I had because I had injuries that year yeah. as well. I lost a couple of the offers. Yeah. <coughs> um, Wayne Bennett, through a contact, um, sort of said, yep, yeah, you can come up, you can work at the club, play for South Logan, we don't have a spot in our 25, but yep. I'll be watching you. And he did. And I met him a few times, what a um, amazing guy he was, gentleman, met my mum and dad. You, you know, just typical of what you probably would have expected, yeah. hearing what you've heard about him.
1: But he's still and, young at this stage too, right? What yeah, you, yeah we've only been 23, 23. Yeah, yeah. something like
0: that. Yeah, maybe less, 22 um and moving away from home i was really homesick like i'm a yeah, mummy's boy be. and family <laughs> um i loved in Queensland. i had a couple of good mates that i lived with up there uh anthony boyd for, from marist yep. and um another fella, drew houston that he was playing with at north devils okay and still mates with them now but it was tough that year and i had a great year though like i, I worked at broncos leagues and. Yep. I ran into a lot of the guys, saw him training. Um, South Logan was a great club too. Mitch Brennan, old old rugby league name uh, up there, took me under his wing and helped yeah. me out with a lot of stuff. And I had a great time. Uh, unfortunately, broke my hand at the last sort of minute. Oh, uh, no. Wayne called me midway through the season <clears throat> and said, Daniel, we've had a couple of injuries. I think it was Paul Green was even playing okay. at the time. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe that was when he played after after I said to Wayne, "Sorry, mate, I've got a broken hand." Because he he gave me the call up and I was that was devastating. Yeah. So I couldn't get that shot with the Broncos. But hey, you know everything works out, and I missed that opportunity and came back to Sydney and and had a few more years down here.
1: Still, it must be like good for yourself. The fact that you know Wayne is looking at you, he's giving you probably feedback. He's actually watching you. He's actually you got actually on his radar, so that must have actually made you feel good.
0: Yeah, that was great. That 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 really gave me confidence again when yeah. he said that to me and that he was going to be watching me. And we had a really good team up in in South Logan there, and yeah. s- some great guys, um, a few guys that went on to play a bit of NRL there as well. And Wayne was he he doesn't say it. To blow smoke, he's saying it because he's going to watch you, and yeah. he was, and and I met him a few times throughout the year at the club, and he just, you know, a couple of words here or there that. He's a great man
1: manager. Is that kind of like? That's, that's kind of that the way. That must be what yeah. they mean when
0: they say it, because he did just make you feel like you were part of the team, yeah, something about, okay. you know, he
1: kept you along Yeah, nice. Yeah. So you come back to the doggies, mate. How did the contract with the doggies eventually?
0: Yeah, well, I came back. I was supposed to go back up to Redcliffe Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Griffin was the coach there, so he oh, there went go. from South Logan, and then he signed me across to Redcliffe, yep. which was cool because Redcliffe were the top team then. What was he so like was, as a
1: coach before we continue?
0: Yeah, uh, I remember him being really good. He was very, very laid back, yep. um, which is, was kind of what I liked that in a coach. Um, technically, just just basics. Like yep. he just got us ready. We didn't have the well beating team up there but we had a good team um, and he was just a, another good bloke yeah like, st- I met him last year uh, last year or the year before regarding some chiropractic work with the club and he was welcoming yeah, we nice. had a good chat
1: um, these yeah. type of blokes are they better kind of like I'm sure at that level like you know how to play rugby league a lot you know and in terms of like are they better kind of man managers than tacticians like how's that kind of crossover
0: yeah I think that there's part of both in some of the best coaches, yeah. which is why they are the best, but some of them are really good man managers and some are really good technicians. Yeah, um, I think that that man management stuff from from Griffo and, and guys like Wayne Bennett, obviously Wayne's got the whole package oh, yeah. somewhere there and he's had good rosters. Um, yeah, it's hard to say.
1: Mm. So you had folksy though at Doggies, right?
0: Yeah, I had Folksy back at the Dogs.
1: Did he used to train with you? He looked like a fit, very fit guy. Yeah, Yeah,
0: he loved it. He was right into his fitness. We did a lot of uh, long bike rides and crazy stuff like that. Um, Who was the trainer back then? The head trainer was Scott Campbell, Supsy. I think he's still going. Was
1: he one of the Billy Johnson potter No,
0: I think he was sort of starting to say to Folksy, mate, we've got to pull back on this crazy stuff a little bit. Um, but there was a bit of both, and there was a guy in reserve grade right there, Gary Carden, who's crazy. I don't know if anyone's mentioned his name, but if you're listening, guys, you still he used give me to nightmares. Beat you up, yeah. yeah, he hated the, the guys that thought they were fit because he'd just break them down. <laughs> yeah. He took pleasure in it.
1: What was the worst thing? Was it sandhill stuff, or was it just in the gym? <sighs>
0: Oh yeah, yeah. He, he just had these crazy old things like coat hangers around the field, and yeah, you know, he just punish you for anyone who. He was good because he he talked about the weak link, and, and yeah, you're only okay. as good as your slowest player type thing. And if you had a bloke who was slacking at the back, you'd keep going yeah. till that bloke pulled up. Some of those <laughs> fellas had nightmares for sure. Uh, they were they were fun days out the back of Belmore.
1: Yeah, Dan, what was it like to play with like guys like Willie Mason? Yeah, good. He broke my
0: foot, but Did good, apart from that. he? Yeah, he yeah. broke your foot. Um, well, I made it to the dogs because I had a broken foot and I didn't want to go back to Redcliffe with this injury. Yeah. I didn't want to waste my time in Queensland being injured, so I kind of semi-retired. I thought, this is it. I'm yeah. done. And a Cairo, thankfully, a genius at foot adjusting. Uh, found that there was a little bone out of place type thing, typical okay. Cairo stuff. Yep. Gave me adjustment and I walked out of there 70, 80% better. Yeah, yeah. And two weeks later I was running again and then – Midway through the season, we were just scrimmaging, doing you know ball work, and Mace. Unfortunately, I just got stuck under his foot somewhere at training, and oh, no. I was back in the boot for three weeks with the same injury. But <laughs> he was good, really funny character, you know, larger than life.
1: Yeah, yeah. So next year after that, you go to South Sydney. Was Russell Crowe at South Sydney by then?
0: Yeah, I think he would have taken over there as owner the year before that. Yeah, maybe two years before, and uh, that was exciting times. Like oh, there <clears throat> was myself, Roy Asatasi. Dean Witters, Jeremy Smith, Joey Williams, maybe. Yep. like it was five of us signings to come to the club that year to add to their already sort of good team. Yeah, And um, Russell was always around. We had the Booker Feuds and all this fun stuff that he did for us. So would you guys um, hang out
1: with him a bit and stuff?
0: Oh, yeah, a little bit. It yeah. wasn't like a weekly occurrence, but he was around good every bloke. week back then. Really good, yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he knew what he wanted and knew how to yeah. get it. But for, from our point of view, he was always... Absolute gentleman and, and yeah. just one of the guys, really.
1: Were you there when like Tom Cruise came around and all that sort of stuff? I'm pretty sure he brought Tom Cruise to and Nicole no, to no, a game or no, something. No, that was after
0: my time there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was after my time there. He did bring some celebs down, like Snoop was there one of the times what? I was there, yeah. Um, did you get to meet the
1: smooth? No. No? <laughs> no.
0: There was different levels of who meets who, that's for sure.
1: <laughs> who was coaching back there, JT? Yeah, JT. That would have been interesting because yeah. you played together as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. so JT, that was my, I think a big part of how I got at the start at South because mm. we played together and um, I really loved playing for JT. I thought he was a great coach. He was one of those guys that I felt had a good mix of that. He yeah. had technical, technical, tactical. Let's put them together, technical.
1: Yeah.
0: Does um, he get a bad rap as a coach? I think he has. I think it's not warranted, yeah. but that's just my personal opinion. He might have done some things to upset people at times, but I felt that he was one of my better coaches for yeah. sure. Do you think yeah.
1: even with your own experience as a coach, do you think sometimes you, you might get a f- just a group of players that aren't your fit as a coach and your strengths don't get shown sometimes? Yes, yeah,
0: I think that's a big part of it, and I think um, the best man managers find a way to manage all Types, yeah, all ages, etc. Um, but yeah, I, I do think that results play a huge part in it as well. Mm. Like if you look at the year that we had at South, um, when we had some success, everything was pretty happy. Yeah, the year okay. that we didn't have as much success as we should have, everything wasn't quite as happy. So I think yep. me looking back. Um, coaches and the guys I liked and the guys I didn't like it was the guys that graded me I liked them and when they dropped me I didn't like yeah, them yeah like, exactly it's, right It's we're pretty fickle everyone is you know, it's, we all like that it's yeah. not down to how good the coach is it's, it's how they oh, interact so with you, you. And exactly yeah yeah. <laughs> so I think he has had a bad rap just from uh, certain players possibly not getting along with him
1: mm.
0: uh, but certainly overall he's a, he's a great coach yeah
1: so Dan that was actually last year so what was the final major injury that said, kind of in your head, that you had to pull the pin?
0: Yeah, it was just another knee. I was—I remember one night at um, Cogra, like Oki Jubilee. Yep. Um, I was playing reserve grade, and I, I played really well, like charge down try and all this stupid stuff. But I remember I just parts of the game, I was—I just couldn't run.
1: Yeah, okay. I was
0: buckled. My knee was swollen after the game, and I was in tears on the way home. I said to. My wife or mum or both, I said, I'm done. Like I don't think I can yeah. play anymore. This is crap. It was just a bad night. I kept, kept going after that and um, pushed through to the end of the year. But there was times where I couldn't train and then you pl- don't play as well. Uh, I could always get on the field. But if you're not training three or four sessions of the five, yeah. you're not putting your best foot forward and you you start to doubt whether you still should be doing it. But So I was a knee and then had a meeting with the docs there at South and they said, look, you've got – a pretty bad knee, yeah. um, arthritis of a sixty-year-old. Do you want to keep playing for another year? Yep. I had one year left on my contract, or do you want to pull the pin and we can we can sort you out with some coaching? And okay. um, we think you're right up that alley. And I was able to keep studying and coach, yep. so I did it.
1: Yeah, so you are you are pretty intent on actually coaching. Was that a, a great idea in terms of when you first heard it?
0: No, I, I, it was a great idea when they told me it, but yeah. I hadn't thought of it until then. That was the first I thought. I took a few days to figure out whether it was something I wanted to do. Um, so first year I came out, I actually assistant coach for the 20s yep. with Alan Wilson, mm-hmm. old Sharky's boy. Yeah, he is. And uh, Wilson and I had a great fun time. He's a legend, taught me a lot about coaching. Uh, and then I think, that, I think it was contracted that the second year I was going to be head coach and okay. Wilson was going to step up. I can't remember how that worked out but I got the head roll the second year and we had a great year uh, I thought I was a good coach but we just had a good roster yeah. <laughs> <laughs> looking back now there was heaps of first graders in I'll there.
1: tell you what but Dan when you're there you would be about 26, 27 right like yeah. a lot of the guys you were coaching were probably between 18 and 20 years old being yep. in the Toyota Cup yep. how would you kind of gain the respect because you know how we are now like we've got some mates that are 8 or 9 years younger than us but they kind of see each other at the same sort of route how would you kind of gain their respect being kind of in that same sort of age group sort of thing?
0: I think uh, probably a couple of things. I guess one was that I'd just retired and yeah. they probably had looked up to me as a player at the club mm. prior to that. So hopefully there was some sort of inhi- inherent inbuilt <laughs> respect there. Yeah. Um, but then being at that age and i am always been into fitness and whatnot, I'll be in the gym training with them. I'd yeah, do okay. the runs with them. I'd beat them on the beep test, all that sort of stuff. Probably shouldn't have. But um, that sort of stuff, I think that's where some of the coaches – get that respect at a younger age when yep. they can um, knock around with the players but at the same time you've got to be careful with that because some <clears throat> coaches knock around too much and they they can lose respect for that mm. you know get too close with people
1: yeah, but that's how I think
0: I worked yep. well for that year or two that I was there
1: yeah so what made you give it up
0: I, I think I just looked at long term for me I, I love the idea of being a chiropractor yeah, okay. and I wanted that for my lifestyle and what I wanted to achieve uh, I I thought that coaching would be great too, but I just saw that the longevity in coaching and the stress associated with it, mm. and the lack of um, certainty.
1: Well, look at you, mate! You still got your hair.
0: Yeah, that's right. Most thank of God, them know. Thank God, but the certainty in coaching is tough. Like I don't, I didn't want to. I, yeah. Part of what I loved about not being in footy anymore was I wasn't going to have to ship over to the UK or yeah. or take family or girlfriends or whatever wherever I went, and that is. Probably the biggest part about why I didn't pursue coaching was just that I didn't want to move home five times and also be at the whim of whether players played well resulted in my job being there or not. I think coaches can get a bad rap and be blamed for bad performance a lot. I have a personal feeling that there's too much emphasis on the coach. I think a lot of the impetus should be back to the players. Are they preparing well? Mm. That's not all down to the coach. That's down to the individuals. Um, So I didn't like that part of coaching as well. I felt that I was a great coach when we were winning. Yeah. And then there was questions asked when we lost a few games. My coaching hadn't changed. The results had. So I I didn't like that either.
1: Yeah. Did that let you stay on your first grade money or did you have to get a restructure for your contract?
0: Um, I think uh – they spread that over a couple of years there. Yeah, yeah they spread my uh, last year of contract over two years. Yeah, I was going to ask it you wasn't about, a lot.
1: <laughs> around, about transitions, you know, yep. after being first grader. You know, first grader get paid pretty good money. When you probably look back on the injuries that you copped, you probably say that you probably needed to get paid more. But that transition, going from working in football and then having to rebuild, study something new, how did you kind of and especially I know that you wanted to kind of start a family as well. You still had your young boys were probably on the way, starting to come on the way as well. How would you kind of manage kind of the stress of not having your first-grade contract anymore and then having to rebuild in your career?
0: Um, I mean, it's still stressful. You know, like coming out of football, um, I was lucky in a way that I did study to have a career after footy. Mm. A lot of guys don't, and I don't know how they fare, really, in that respect. Um, But for me... It's still a battle, you know, like you're coming from a what you hoped would be a 15-year career, earning yeah. good money. Um, I never earned great money, but I earned reasonable money, particularly in this day and age, it, it was nothing. Yeah. But I put a lot away. I never spent a cent. I yep. just, you know, I'd go out on the weekend a bit here and there. I'd buy some stuff for myself, but most of it was saved. So I, w- I was lucky at the end of my career I'd saved a fair bit of what I did earn. Yep. But it's still it's still hard, you know. Just oh, because you played first grade doesn't make you a good chiropractor. And just because you are a good chiropractor doesn't make people walk through the door. So we've got a business like anyone.
1: It's a tough gig and, uh, entrepreneurship, isn't it? Like running a business. Yeah. That's how you do it. It's it's yeah. something you just Yeah don't know what you can experience.
0: Yeah. I, I wouldn't have it any other way because I love working for myself and getting yeah. to spend time with the kids. But it's hard yakka when you've got your own business and um Part of me kind of, if I was a physio, I think that I'd be, you know, employed by a club and I'd, yeah. I'd have a huge business because physio has that inherent trust in Australia yep. and still around the world. Cairo's are still fighting the battle of the old uh, backcrackers um, stigma, I guess, but but we're getting there. Yeah. I'd class myself as a sports Cairo. So, you know, we do everything from necks to backs to feet to tennis elbows and yep. everything in between.
1: Do so you have quite a few athletes yeah. coming out to you?
0: Yeah, a broad range. Yeah. I don't have heaps of footy boys. Yeah. Um, I look after the Parramatta uh, first grade to fifth grade cricket boys. Yeah, nice. I, I developed that relationship a few years back, so that's great. Yeah. And uh, a few Hills Bulls boys come in, a few Winnie boys, and a couple of top grade boys. Yeah, nice. A few of the top graders come into the clinic and then they move to a different club, so they fall out of out of uh, care. But I'd love to be looking after more of the top grade boys for sure because yeah. I, I know the value of what I got in my back end of my career from having Cairo mm. help me stay together. Like these guys go through 20 car accidents a oh, game. For sure. And we get one car accident victims come in with a sore neck for six months. Yeah. Imagine what these guys' bodies are doing. And a, and a rub just doesn't do it for them. They need some some adjusting, some alignment. Would it
1: be mostly the back and neck? Is that kind of where you would focus? Shoulders? Like what would kind of be the work that you would kind of go down if you could...
0: Yeah, a lot of the words. stuff that comes into us from athletic population is the backs and necks, yeah. like the stuff that physios probably aren't as adept in or don't get as quick results in. Yeah. Um, and it's where we can get a big bang for our buck for injury prevention as well, preventing torn hammies and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but... When a player comes into me, I'll, I'll look at anything from the from the toes to the nose, sort of thing. If they're if they're sore, I'll treat it, and um, it's just about finding what what they need. Yeah, is it a muscle out that's that's weak or not activated, or is it a joint out of place? And we can help all that stuff.
1: Yeah, i some great yeah, things. It's fun stuff. Yeah. Final thing I want to talk to you about your passion for bodybuilding. <laughs> Take us through kind of because you've just been doing it what last two or three years has it been? Yeah. How'd you like? Obviously, being a very competitive person from From a youngster, it must be great to find something else that you can do without having to run, like you said before, into these Mack trucks.
0: Yep. Yeah, so it's a funny story, if you don't mind. It's a little bit prolonged, but it started about three years ago, I'd say now. Um, I was watching the footy with my eldest, Bernie, and we were watching at halftime, I think a Ninja Warrior ad came on, and I was like, I could do that, Bernie, what do you think? And he said, oh, could you, Daddy? Like that sort of thing, and I, I know we talked off air before about me I sort of I wish that I could have played in front of the boys. That was one thing that I would have that I regret not being able to do because I know how much they love it. So anyway, one thing led to another. A mate at the gym that I was training with said, "Why don't you do it? Put the put the audition tape in. I'll do it with you." He's loved his videography stuff as you see on my Instagram, and I put together a video and an application, and I had a good story because I was ex footy player and chiropractor and whatnot. Yep. And I got an audition. Went over to the audition. Got in. Top 200 in Australia sort of thing. Um, So I started training the house down. I was like, shit, if I'm on this, I'm going to win it. I'm going to train hard. So I did everything I could. I was hanging off door sills and running up warped walls. And uh, a gym over at Ramsgate, his name is Mike, Mike's Five Star PT. Shout out to him, mate. Got a great gym for the ninjas. So we'll go in there two times a week. Plus, I was still just lifting weights and doing cardio to drop weight. Had to do everything in one lot like of three-month period, and I did too much. I was poorly in nutrition because yeah. I was trying to lose a bit of weight and training too hard, and I ruptured my Achilles. Oh. So the reason for getting on that show was I wanted to raise awareness for pancreatic cancer because yep. at the time my dad had just passed away from that, and I was devastated. I hit the ground. I was bawling. like Not bawling, but I was in, in mm. tears, totally upset that I'd stuffed myself again. I just felt like it was another injury that just cut me down. So stop stopped trying – crying poor though after a month or so i was rehabbing that but i'm doing a lot of upper body weights yeah. and i said to a friend um who's a bodybuilder he's natural world champ and he said sure you can compete like let's do it i'll give you a diet for the next eight weeks i think it was and i i uh, stuck to the diet yep. and i won that comp so i was like wow this stuff's good yeah. it's easy and i never thought i'd do another one but was it addictive it was addictive yeah. getting on stage the competitive nature you know it's crazy you're tanning and you're doing all this weird stuff waxing everything and i didn't think i wanted to do it once let alone now i've done it three times but it's addictive yeah i can't see myself stopping i just love the uh, you know as you know most guys and a lot of women these days thankfully love getting in the gym because mm. we know what it does for our body yeah and i'm a big believer in holding on to as much muscle mass as we can for general health um it's going beyond that for me now i want to build muscle yeah. that's what bodybuilding is about um but most of that's just eating more yeah. keeping my nutrition on track especially and, um, naturally yeah that's right yeah. and it's fun mate like i love putting motivational stuff online and get a lot of great feedback from it and it, it keeps you accountable too yeah. so if i'm slacking off and i haven't you know been training as hard as i should people will notice people will pull me up on that and um yeah. it, i'm not too crazy about it you know as you said i'm natural and i'm i'm not a professional assistant amateur thing i still work yeah but i'm at the gym every morning and i'm um, doing my best
1: yeah a lot of footy players say that they can't replace the thrill of a sunday afternoon in front of a pack crowd or a friday night footy but you coming out in front of that stage has that kind of maybe not replaced it but is it kind of like a similar feeling
0: yeah, it's very exciting. There's nowhere near it um, for sure. Like that exhilaration of a, of a packed stadium or something is way far removed from anything we can uh, observe in real life. Yeah. But definitely getting on stage in front of a crowd like last year and hopefully again next year at the F- Sydney Fitness Expo, there's sort of 500 people in a crowd. Yeah, it's pretty which good. Normal bodybuilding comps would be 50 or 80 maybe yeah. in an RSL. But the ex- Sydney Fitness Expo was awesome because it was like 500 people cheering and. That was really good. Yeah, You get a good rush from it. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, but you still got to kind of get out there. You know, you're in your, you're not your sluggos, but your yeah. your bottoms. You know, they're yeah. still, you know, you've worked your ass off for these months, yep. getting down to that low body fat, and even that time getting down to the low body fat. Sometimes, you know, everything upstairs isn't going like a hundred percent too. Yeah, it, it's it must be a great feeling.
0: It is, and it does play with your head though. So you kind of got get very. Uh, um pedantic about what you're eating and what you're going to look like and that sort of thing that last yeah. few weeks you get crazy with am i shaving the right time like, <laughs> it's, it's so weird but um when you're in it you don't feel weird you just feel like it's what i've got to do to be my best on that day yeah it's very different like the the focus on nutrition and training protocols is so much more specific and um well thought out than professional sport funnily enough you yeah. know like
1: What's the lowest body fat you've got to?
0: I was down about five percent wow. for the last comp.
1: Um, you, you got you placed in your last comp, didn't you?
0: Last one, I placed third. Yeah, yeah, thought so. Yeah. You look great. Thanks, mate.
1: Yeah. So, what's the goal for the next one? Is it, is it? Are you finding the same people you're competing against, or against the circuit, or is it totally new people? I every know. Time? It actually varied each
0: time, funnily yeah. enough. I think a lot of guys, when they win or they place well, they go off to a different division, or they. For myself, I'm. Going to step up to bodybuilding now, so I've got to start to build up some leg yep. size, which is hard with arthritic knees, but that's my goal is to try to build those up so I can step on stage with some sluggos, not, not the board shorts. Yeah,
1: can you still squat?
0: Yeah, I squat heaps. I think it helps yep. my knees, to be honest. Sometimes I'll overdo it and they'll mm-hmm. get sore, but generally, keeping going, squatting at least once a week, uh, keeps them going for sure.
1: Okay, a couple of personality ones just to finish. Now, we asked you who your most talented teammate was. Now, who was the toughest player that you played against?
0: Is there a guy called Andrew Hart? Was that a guy? St. George Dragons? guy?
1: Dragons, yeah. Like a prop like Gordon Tallis is
0: an easy answer because he ran over me like a few times. I've got a photo of him stepping on my head sort of thing. Did he laugh but at you after you did it? Uh, no, I think he was no. too serious. And that Andrew and that. Hart one night at Stadium, was it? Like Allianz, whatever that was and called. whatever. Which he one? ran into me and just wanted to hurt me like when he had the ball. So it oh, wasn't wow. like he'd try to smash me in defence because I was too small, you are too quick. Yeah, yeah. But when I was trying to tackle him, get up quick, he'd just like put everything into my shoulder, elbow, and I was just rattled like two or three times. Wow! And that was me done for the night, Andrew. Huh? We'll Talk yeah, him up one. and weird see one, yeah, why he, he picked on out. Daniel. Irwin.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right, take Parramatta Stadium out. Where was your favourite venue to play?
0: Suncorp. Yeah. Yeah. I played one game there at Lang Park when it was Lang Park I was 16 in the 17's um so Origin. the old school
1: version yeah yeah
0: oh wow and they had to fully like carry us around stadium with protection because people were going to throw cans at us and yeah so that was <laughs> that was good
1: <laughs> alright final question now it's the dinner party question you're going to be hosting a private dinner party Dan you got five invites only rules no family or friends but you can invite anyone dead or alive
0: I knew you'd ask me this mate
1: can't You can't invite my wife
0: we don't get to go to dinner ever okay leave her out sorry Amy but I would say Tony Robbins yep definitely
1: have you been to one of the seminars
0: yeah we went back in uh, like early marriage days I thought it would be great for our marriage and it was you know we learned some good skills yeah it's 10 years next month wow Uh,
1: happy anniversary
0: thanks mate so Tony Robbins would be one because he's just such a master at motivating people and I just love to hear him speak in a normal room not yelling at the top of his voice Um, who else would there be I just saw your DVD there Muhammad Ali I'd be crazy not to put him on there Um, what a man Um, I'd say I know you're a Gary Vee fan I'd love to have him in the room he's not bad he would talk the house down and not listen to anything we
1: said but um, you wouldn't have any words in there have to have him in the room for sure Um,
0: Ben Stiller my favourite comedy actor actor. and there'd have to be a beautiful woman Um, Elle McPherson there you go
1: I'll let your wife She's come just to keep an eye on you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> if bell's there. <laughs> Thanks, mate. No worries. Well, Dan, I really appreciate you joining me. Before I let you go, I know you've got your your Instagram's awesome, so get following him. Also, YouTube channel, drdan__fit. And obviously, your chiropractor is You. Anything else you would like to plug, my friend?
0: Thank you very much, mate. That's it. I appreciate uh, being asked to come on and share a bit of my story.
1: I appreciate it. Let's uh, catch up soon with the boys over a few beers. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Dan. And that, guys, was Daniel Irvine. So definitely do check him out. If you need Cairo work, I'm not even going to try and say that word, definitely do get in touch. He's one of the best in the business. I'll leave all the details on the show notes page. So definitely do check all that out. I'll have it at www.talkingwithtk.com. I'll have its own show notes page. So definitely get in touch with Daniel and I'm sure that he'll look, look after you as he does with everyone else. All right, guys, next week on the show, we got Big Keith Galloway. So he's got a great story. Always love watching Big Keithy play. Also got referee Grant Atkins to tell us what it's like to be a first-grade referee as well as one of the Wallabies legends. Michael Liner, one of the greatest of all time going to be joining us as well. Definitely do reach out. If you've got any requests for the show, please send me an email, tristan at talkingwithtk.com. Always interested to hear who you want to have coming up. I've got season two to wrap up. That's probably going to be 20 to 25 episodes and then yet, yet again for season three another 20 to 25 episodes for that season as well. Please connect with me on Twitter or Facebook. I'm at Talking with TK. If you can continue to tell your family and friends, big thank you to everyone doing that. And please leave me a review on any podcast app that you listen on. All right, guys, that's it for this week. I'm Tristan Cannell, and this was Talking with TK.